Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live.
Spirit of the Lord is here. It's why we've come today. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful for what we need. I love you, Lord. Amen. I, I will be preaching primarily from the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 6 that I will reference for the sake of text today the book of Matthew 21 uh, the series that I am teaching Matthew 21 reading from verse 13 Amen Life is worth the living just because he Life is worth the living just because he lives. Oh, how many feel that way? Life is worth the living just because he I don't know all the words, but over oh, the herb when we were working building the building in Glen Ferris, he was so special to my family. I'd hear him while he was cleaning up and working. He'd say something like, I thought number one would surely be me. I thought I could be all I wanted to be. He going to talk about but life sinking sand. He said, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Oh, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Amen. You know it better than I do. But. Down on my knees, that's where I learned to stand. I may feel that way. I can't even walk without you holding. Oh, somebody say, I can't even. Would you tell the Lord that? Without you holding. high in the valleys to wide oh, oh it's down on mine that's where I learned to stand for I can't even walk without you holding my hand those old songs that brought us to where we are I mean, appreciate the old time way. I mean, like the old songs too. Amen. Somebody shout amen. Tell your neighbor, we need the old songs too. Hallelujah. 
Have you noticed in the last few moments you haven't worried about one thing? Notice that? In your mind, there's nothing looking back. Everything's looking ahead. I'm going to tell somebody that's watching online and somebody in the building that's here today, at any point while I'm preaching, you decide to come home. You run up to this altar and give your life to God. Don't wait on me to close. In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus, this three-week series I've done about my house should be called the house of prayer. Would you, would you put that on, on the wall? Amen. You don't have it? Did I have the wrong book? Maybe I have the wrong Bring, bring my, bring this, I'm sorry. You got it up there? Oh, they've got it. Amen. What does it say? And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Next verse. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. That's the goal of every church service is that whoever needs him can find him here. That's the goal. Amen. I'm glad for all the saints, but one person that needs a miracle can bypass us that have already been healed, already been saved, and get healed and get saved. That's why we're here. My house, he says, shall be called a house of prayer. With that being said, I would like to talk from this concept. It's a place you can come home to. The house of God is a place that you can come home to. I've been criticized for the next statement that I make often. But I'm going to tell you, I still believe it. If you sin, don't run from Him. Run to Him. Don't stop coming to church. Run to the church. Come home. Come home. Somebody shout, come home. I say to everybody watching that's afraid to come home, come home. If you're five minutes away, ten minutes away, I don't know how long I'm going to be preaching, but 25 minutes away, 35 minutes, get in your car and come home. If you're too far away, just get on your knees and come home. Face the church and come home. Amen. Praise God. Look at verse 40. Um, let's look at verse 38. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 38. Solomon's prayer, dedication of the temple. Solomon's temple, what David desired to build. He said, if they return to thee with all their heart, with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, no matter what nation they're in bound if they turn their hearts towards it devil you might bind them but you can't hold them they don't belong to you they might 
might be out of the church, but they're not out of his hand. It's just a moment of time. It's a moment of time. I'm telling some mama in the building, don't you dare give up on those children. Don't you dare give up on that family. They might not be here, but it's not over. Come on, God's filled them with the Spirit. He's washed them in His blood. They might be captive, but they're not done. It's not over. Somebody shout, it's not over. I think you ought to high-five your neighbor right now and say, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. He said, you know what? Verse 39. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open. Let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore rise, O Lord God, into the, to thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. That was the end of the dedication prayer of Solomon's temple. And it's wrapped around one word, mercy. Mercy. When he said my house should be called a house of prayer, he's talking about the prayers of the saints, but he's also talking about the return of the backslider. When he built the temple, it was significant, not just a beautiful edifice for people just to come and see the wonder of the, of the building. That's not what it, it was the mark of where God's name was so whoever walked away into their own sin could have a place to return to God. That is the purpose of the temple. is a place you can come home to. My lands, I feel like I've already preached my sermon. But the fact of the matter is I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how long you've been gone. You can come home the Father. You can't come home to God. He wants you. He built it for you. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Last week we took a 30,000 step journey. Last week we stopped every six paces and we offered an offering to the Lord and we stopped and we danced before the Lord. We talked about David in his kingship. When he became king, he said, we can't have Jerusalem without the Ark of the Covenant. How many know that? I'm not going to preach a lot about it. The Ark of the Covenant representation of the presence of God. He said, we, we, we can't have church without his presence. We can't have the kingdom without the king. We need him among us. And he sent for it and the priests carried it. He stopped every six paces like we're stopping every six days. And we're coming to church with a sacrifice in one hand and worship in the other. We've given God six days of sacrifice. We're showing up with worship in the other. 
God, I don't come to you empty-handed. I've come seeking your face. I want your presence at the house of God. I want your spirit to be in my marriage. I want your spirit to be in my house. Am I preaching to anybody? He said, Lord, I want the Ark of the Covenant to come home to me. I want it to come home. When it came home, they were singing and shouting. The band was playing. They were singing songs. I am convinced they were singing the songs, the Psalms of David. With this being said, David had built a tent, a tabernacle, if you will, a tent. It was not, it was not, it was not wood and, and rock and stone. But this, this tabernacle was a tent that David prepared. He prepared a place for the Ark of the Covenant to sit. And guess what? The Ark of the Covenant was placed there. David, in his kingship, he desired. He said, Lord, we live in sealed houses. What that means is we've, we've, got, we've got a house with ceiling. We, we, have, we have wood and stone houses, but you dwell in the tent. My desire is to build you a temple that you can dwell in. Now, folks, we're here today. We understand the massiveness, the omnipresence of God. God does not, God's not confined to a building. You can't fit him in a box. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. A span which measures from the thumb to the end of the pinky. The Bible says that God measured the heavens with the span of his hand. You, you cannot limit where he is and can't find where he's not. God is magnificent in all that he does. Amen. He is, he's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. David was saying, I am making a place where we can acknowledge you are with us. I've come to tell you today that the church should be a place where, where we say, I'm going there to worship the Lord. Our purpose of church is not to be in a position, it's not to be involved, or the use of our giftings. That's what can happen. But the purpose of a church is that we go there to inquire in his temple. Amen. He said, for there's one thing David said that I've desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after in Psalms 27 and 4. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Can I preach to you for a minute? He said, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me up up on a rock can I tell you and I will offer there sacrifices of joy David said I want a place where I can go to that I can hide from all of the things that are against me for a man he said he said this way he said for he is a rock that is higher than I amen he will set me up on things that are that that be that are against me that will become below me can I tell you he's bigger than any problem that you have he's bigger than any circumstance that you go through. He's higher. Amen. Somebody shout, the Lord is higher. He was saying simply, I want God to be the center of my life. I want my children to have a place they can run to and hide. The Bible says, for the name of the Lord 
is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. Jesus taught us in his example. This isn't supposed to be a place of, of merchants and buying and selling. That's not the purpose of a church. The purpose of a church is that we gather and we see him as he is. And we acknowledge that he is here. And that when you're lame, you can be healed. When you're blind, your eyes can be open. And I've come to tell you, I'm thankful to be a part of a church where the, where the blind eyes can see the truth and the cripple can be healed and walk a better life. I've come to tell you, I'm glad to be a part of the church where Jesus is at the center. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what he was saying. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. He demonstrates at the end of his teaching exactly what he wanted. Come unto me, uh, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's what he was saying. And the blind and the lame, everybody say, came unto him. Where? In the temple. Listen, folks, I know we've got to be structured, and I think we're mindful of the time. We're mindful of the time. I don't think you have to have long church to have good church. Aren't you glad? I mean, we can change it right now if you want to. We just say, look, from, from Sunday, from 11 to 2, you know, you don't leave. If you, if you leave, God's going to kill you. And, uh, you know, we, we can set the law down here. Uh, you know I'm teasing. You don't have to have long church to have good church. But you have Jesus in the house or you haven't had church. If you don't have Jesus here, we've missed it. Amen. And what they understood and David understood, we want the Ark of the Covenant to come. And that Ark of the Covenant came behind the praisers and the trumpeters and the musicians. And they brought that Ark of the Covenant and God was established. David said, I want to I build a temple. But because of what he did to Uriah and had innocent blood on his hands, he said, David, I'm not going to allow you to build the temple, but Solomon can. All David, David has stockpiled the wood and all the things that were, not all of it, but a lot, had saved to build this temple. And Solomon that was born in mercy of God. And God called him Jedediah. That was an act of mercy. I'm not going to dive deep into this, but it seemed like David's dreams were lost. But God gave a promise through Jedediah, which we better known as Solomon, to build that. When Solomon was choosing a place to build the house of God, because where matters? Where matters? The Bible tells us in, in the Bible tells us in Chronicles. It says in the book of Chronicles, it, it, it says in chapter 3, verse 1. Let's stop here for a moment. Let's read it because I want you to understand. Second Chronicles chapter 3. It says, Then Solomon began to build the house, the house of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, It's not my house. It's his house. Amen. Yeah, praise God. Of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount where? Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And he began to build in the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. It goes on and talks about it. And, and uh, why Mount Moriah? I'm going to tell you why Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was a place of sacrifice. You will find that it was here when David numbered the people to see if he had enough to win. Oh, bear with me for a moment. I'm so emotional today. I have cried through the whole service. 
Are y'all hearing what I'm teaching? Everybody say a place we can come home to. Why, why did he build it here where God visited David at the threshing floor of Ornan? Here's why. David had, had become very prosperous in his life as a king. Very prosperous. And uh, when, it, when it came in prosperity, when he went to battle, the Bible says that Satan provoked him to number the people. That meant he was keeping attendance. I've had people wouldn't keep, no people wouldn't keep attendance in church because of that verse. It's not talking about that. There's a whole book of numbers. On the day of Pentecost, there's approximately 120. 3,000 were added to the church. It's not talking about keeping attendance. He numbered to see if he had enough in his army to win. Because a man that had depended on God was now dependent on power. Satan provoked him to make a decision based upon how many men he had in his army instead of depending on what God could do. Because he started leaning on prosperity instead of faith. The Bible says judgment came against him. There was three judgment that could come against him and, and three things that could happen. And David makes a powerful statement. And David, David said, whatever you do, don't let me fall into the hands of man. Let me fall into the hands of God. For in his hands are full of mercies. Let me believe that. I think that's the prayer for every sinner in the building. Don't let me fall into the judgment of man, but let me fall into the hand of God. You know when you've done wrong, I don't have to tell you. Let me fall into the hand of mercy. And because of it, there was judgment that came, an angel with a sword and pestilence came, and there was a lot of people that that, that, that decision hurt. And David knew, I've got to build an altar. I've got to build an altar. I've got to turn this thing around. The judgment of God has come because of this mistake. And, and when he did, he went to the threshing floor of Ornan, and it was here. He's, and, and Ornan, Samuel calls him Arana, and Ornan looks up with his sons and sees the angel of judgment with a sword in his hand. You're talking about shake you up. Where somebody saw an angel in here on Wednesday night? Standing right from there and walked out of that and stood right here on Wednesday night. I believe that. I've seen angels. I know, I know it. The, the angel of the Lord was here on Wednesday night. Well, if you had an angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand and there had been thousands of people to die by judgment, it'd scare you to death. True. And, and David said, we got to build an altar here. Why do we want an altar? Because we want the judgment of God to stop in their life. Why are we fasting and praying? Because we want God to turn their situation around. Oh, I feel this so strong right now. And what you'll find is they built an altar. And when David went to build the altar, Ornan was so moved, he said, listen, I will give you the wood to build it. I'll give you the sacrifice, and here's the land. He owned that threshing floor that place and he said you you can have the land you can have the wood to build the altar and I even give you the animals and sacrifice and David makes this great statement that every believer needs to hear he said how can I offer God something that costs me nothing he said if it's going to get God's attention it's going to cost me something I, I can't I can't live according to your sacrifice when it's my responsibility I can't just let you pray for my family when my family's off I've got to pray and seek God for my family Thank you for your prayers, but there's some things I have to do. And David said, I will not buy it less than the full price. Everybody say the full price. He said, I'm going to pay 
what it's worth, what it's valued. I will pay the price for it because I understand my error and what I've done. Can I say, you can't come back to church on a lesser commitment. You can't come back to the Lord with a lesser consecration than you had at one point in your life. There's no Kmart blue light special Black Friday, if you come now, you get, you get the discount. It's repentance or nothing at all. It's a place where you consecrate and dedicate and say, I'm going to do nothing less than what God would have me to do. And it was here where David paid, everybody say, the full price. The full price. My, the hand of the Lord's upon me right now. I'll pay the full price. Whatever you want me to pay and do, I'll do. But I don't want the judgment in my family. I don't want any wrath against me because of things that Satan provoked me to do and caused me to leave. But he understood this. The power of building an altar always turns judgment and brings mercy. When I build an altar to the Lord, it was an act of repentance. It was an act of, of getting right with God. And when he laid it there, the Bible says heaven responded to his, his altar and the angel of wrath stopped. It stayed. It quit. Judgment stopped when he built an altar. Why was it so significant that Solomon said, that's where I want to build the altar? I'm going to tell you why. Because David found mercy at the threshing floor of Ornan. Amen. I'm going to tell you today that when you walk away from God, judgment is going to follow you. The wages of sin is death. Pastor, please don't tell me that. I don't want... Judgment's coming. Pleasure of sin is only for a season. He said, Moses, he said in his word, he said, who's going to stand between my people and my wrath? Who's going to stand between a petition and, and pray prayers of supplication that my wrath would not come upon them? Who's going to be like Moses that stood between me and the people that, that walked away from me and served idol? Who's going to stand and plead their cause? It's the prayer of supplication. Who's going to build an altar? Who, who's going to sacrifice their and say, God, grant them mercy. Grant them grace. Don't hold it to their charge. And that's exactly what David had done. He had built an altar and Solomon said, that's where I want to build the temple. I want to build the temple right there. I want to build the temple where God gave mercy and spared a nation. That's where the temple needs to go. Where my dad paid the price to see the judgment stopped. It wasn't just David's threshing floor altar moment that this was chosen. But you'll also find that this is where Abraham offered Isaac. It's where God said to him, I want you to offer your only son. I want you to offer him to me as a burnt sacrifice. And, oh yeah, he had seen the way the world, can I preach to you for a few more minutes here today? He had seen the way the world were offering their children on, on idolatrous altars to have really no spiritual result. And he wanted to know, is there somebody in my kingdom to pay the price? That they're willing to pay the price. And, and God said, I want you to offer Isaac. Can you imagine being Sarah? And, and, and your husband said, the Lord spoke to me that, to sacrifice him upon an altar. I can't imagine being that mother that waited 90 years to have that baby. And now you're going to take him from me. And uh, he, he goes to the bottom of the Mount Moriah. And he's got a, he's got a dagger on his side. He's got, a, he's got a fire in one hand. And his boy's got some wood on his back. And, and uh, they get off the, the people that were with them, the servants, the Bible calls them. And, and uh, uh, where are you going? said, we're going to the mountain for a sacrifice. Dad, where are we going today? He said, the Lord said to go to Mount Moriah and make a sacrifice. God spoke to me to make a sacrifice. 
He didn't tell him it was him. He didn't let him know. I'm going to tell you what he did say. He looked at Sister Tina. He, he looked at the servants and said, We will return. We will be back. Hold on a second, Abraham. You said, you said that, 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 Sarah, what do, you, what do you mean? How are you going to get back? I don't know because God's promised me a future in him. But right now God's asked me to sacrifice him. And, 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 but I know if God has to resurrect him, he's going to resurrect But God's going to provide. And sometimes people look at sacrifice as something to be lost when the truth of the matter is there's really no such thing as sacrifice because whatever you give to God, he always resurrects. Whatever you give to God, he always outdoes it. Whatever you give to God, he always gives it back. He just wants to know, are you willing to let it leave your hands for a moment? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God's always going to provide. He will, oh yeah, it's the supernatural power of this place. It's the supernatural power of the altar. And when he looks at Isaac and Isaac is laid upon the and, and, and when he looks at Isaac and says, Isaac, the Lord told me to offer you. I, I, I don't have proof. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't even know exactly what age he was. Some believe he was 12. Some believe he was 30. I don't know. But I know whether he was willing or not, Abraham put him on that altar. And when he pulled the dagger back to kill him, the angel stopped him and said, don't touch the lad. Don't touch the lad. God has seen that you, you, were, you held nothing from him. God has seen that you've given everything that is required. Are you ready? He said, He said, now every nation in the land is going to be blessed. Every family in the world is going to be blessed because of you. And because you did not withhold, but you gave what was required. I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to be, I'm going to multiply you as the stars of the heavens. You're going to see multiplication as the sand by the sea because you did not withhold. And they look up, and there's a ram caught in the bushes. God had provided the ram. I come to tell somebody right now in the building you want to live a life for God but you don't feel like you can pay the price can I tell you when you were on your way to the church house today at Mount Moriah there was a ram coming up the other side that he's going to provide a way for you to do what you think you cannot do God's going to provide a sacrifice God's going to provide the means God's going to provide a way I'm telling somebody right now he's going to make a way for you he's going to make away for you. Somebody shout Jehovah Jireh. God, my provider. What he thought was an altar of giving up was absolute an altar of receiving of immeasurable blessings that you can never count. It was going to be more. I come to say in this building today, this altar, you will get more out of it than you will ever put on it. You will get more blessing than you will ever get... Somebody shout, he's going to make a way. I'm just going to preach a few more minutes, but I wish you'd elbow your neighbor and say, God's going to make a way. Woo, he's going to make a way. You can count your tithing to the penny. You can count your offerings to the penny. But you lay it on the altar. But what you cannot count is what that brings out of heaven. You can't measure the blessing what it brings. Come on, you can count... I've learned during fasting, people become nutritional scientists. Come on, carb counters. 
You can count your fasting all the way to how many carbs you didn't take. You can count your fasting all the way down. But I'm going to tell you, you can count how many days you fasted. You can count how many hours you prayed and you lay it on the altar. But you cannot count what comes out of that altar. You cannot count the blessing that comes out of your sacrifice. Come on, am I preaching to one, two, or three in the building? They say, I prayed some prayers. You can measure the prayer, but you can't measure the outcome. You can measure the prayer, but you can't. You know what I feel like saying? Devil, you've had a bad day. You've messed with the wrong people. We're going to get back everything that you've tried to take from us. We're coming after it in prayer. We're coming after it in fasting. We're coming after it in worship. Tell your neighbor the devil's had a bad day. Come on, anybody sick of the provoking enemy? Anybody sick of the sickness? Anybody in this building that you're sick of what the devil's been trying to do to your marriage and your family? Somebody's got to stand up and say, I'm building an altar today. I'm coming to the house of God and he's going to heal everything the enemy's tried to damage. Hear me. Solomon's temple wasn't just built on any mountain. It was the mountain of Moriah. It was where Abraham paid the full price. Amen. It's where Abraham held nothing from God. Woo, I feel a touch of the Lord upon me. Mom and daddy, you can measure what you withheld. And you can measure what you gave. And if you will give what God has asked you to give up, it's going to go to the third and even the fourth generation. Did you hear me? Oh man, I feel, I feel word. I tell you what, I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost upon me. I don't want to withhold what he's asking me to give. Come on, is God asking you to go to church more? Is God asking you to get up in the morning? What's God asking you to do is what's God telling you to do? I'm going to tell you, if God says to do it, don't withhold it because it's going to reach generations that aren't even born yet. That's the Bible. That's the word. Come on, it's going to go to generations. The Bible says that Levi, three, four generations later, he received tithes in the bosom of Abraham. He wasn't even alive. Abraham wasn't even alive when he was born, but he was receiving blessings from Abraham's sacrifice. Solomon was saying this, I want to build a temple where there is a place where we can create an atmosphere, an altar that can reach generations that aren't here yet. We are the recipients of somebody else's sacrifice in 2024. Aaron Bounds is blessed because of a Frank and a Debbie and a Bertha Johnson and a Mabel Bounds that, and, a, and, a, and a Grandma Kinder that went and sought God. Fixed incomes gave offerings. Fixed incomes gave tithing. Service after service, six-week revivals, preparing their hearts on Saturdays and sought the Lord and faithful attendance of the house of God. Don't you think I'm here because I have some level of gifting or favor? I'm here today because Somebody been an altar that I have received the blessing from. Oh yeah. I've come to preach you out of whatever state that you're in. i come to tell you it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, you have the privilege of building an altar that's going to impact your generations. It's going to impact your babies. 
Come on, are there any altar builders in the building that you'll stand to your feet and clap your hands and say, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a temple. Remain standing. Hallelujah. We are going to build a new temple. It's going to, it's, we're going to build a new church. It's going to be amazing. God's perfect timing It's going to happen. Somebody was telling me how much they enjoyed this building yesterday. I said, I'm so thankful for it. I am. I tell God I'm thankful for every square carpet in this building. I'm thankful for it. Thankful for what God has done. It's the best building we've had in its history. But we go back to Monroe Street with a coal furnace and faithful people. Coming in, walking through mud, hanging off the side of Guy Smith's car, giving them the ride to church because there wasn't enough room in it. They, they stood on the, the foot rails and held on the car and got to the house of God. It wasn't convenient, but they were faithful. They outgrew Monroe Street. Hey Amen. Down there were Quality Inn and that, that, that area of the neighborhood. Down there where Texas Roadhouse is. I'm getting hungry. Hey Amen. I'm going to move on. Ended up in Marietta Street. Faithful saints of God. First place I preached in this building. I'm so glad I have just a snippet of history that I was preached my first servant in that building. Y'all were working on this building in 1999. I preached there in my first service and I preached on the God of a second chance. The first message ever preached to this congregation. And I remember that place was jam-packed full. But you know what the saints did? They said, we're going to give an hourly wage a week. We're going to lay some things with sacrifice to Without growing here, we're moving. Faithful saints of God. Hourly wage a week. 30-day and 50-day prayer revivals. 30-day prayer revivals. Not everybody shows up for prayer. I understand that. But I'm thankful for everybody that's ever done that in the history of this church in 81 years. Going on 82 years. Prayer revivals. Old timers that stayed. Can I tell you, every great church has somebody that stayed. We have a picture of Sister May. I, I never met her. I, I never met her. But I've heard so much about her. She's one of hundreds that we could talk about. I, I don't think she ever preached a sermon. I'm not sure she was ever using the gifts of the Spirit. I can't, I can't speak on that. Somebody else could. You want to hear about her? She was faithful. Week after week for the sign. Sister Abby, service after service. She was here. Young people praying the altar. You feel a hand come over them and hear her soft voice praying over them. Faithful. You know what they were doing? Through 81 plus years, this church now and the church that began, much smaller then, in a, in a house on Beaumont Street with the Gladman family in a prayer meeting. Tammy, Nesta, Buster, Heritage. Hey, Janesta, come here. Stand up here, Pastor. This is the last thing she wants me to do. And the Lord's on your life. Come here, stand with Pastor. She goes with me several times, she and her daddy, to McConnellsville. And she's a wonderful person. You're here because of somebody that's not here. And there's people that are not here that will be here because somebody that is here. It's called the church. It's called the church. 
So when they leave, we're not going to fret. We're going to love. We're going to hope. We're going to believe. And we'll keep no record of wrong. Because that's the love of God. So it's so powerful. I'm not going to make you stand up here. I've had preachers forget about me on platforms before. It's not fun. Prayer revivals and fasting. Weeks of pastor that would fast seven days at a time and elders ten days with no food. Altars and sacrifice. I'm thankful for our worship services. They're so powerful. But they're the product of prayer meetings. And practice. Aren't you glad they practiced before they got here? You know how people don't join the choir because they don't want to show up for practice. That was an ouch and a positive message. You know why, you know why they won't get involved with music? Because they want to practice. Sacrifice. But you don't have outcomes without sacrifice. You want to see a revival of new people, harvest new people? Evangelism on Saturday. Church vans and knocking doors. Somebody for the years gave up on Saturday. Wasn't a lot. But I'm glad they did. I'm preaching to people that are ready to steamroll ahead over the enemy. I know what I feel. Every single one of you in this building are absolutely amazing people, and I love you. I'm so glad you're here. All of our guests, thank you for being here. You're part of an amazing, an amazing body of believers. one purpose of this church it's to have a place where people can come home to now we've got this beautiful place that didn't come without sacrifice and people give the next place is not going to happen without sacrifice and prayer and fasting do this so when they built the temple Solomon made a prayer and I close he said God this beautiful building that's built I've got some I got some prayer requests, Lord. He said, God, I've got a, I've got a few things I'm going to ask of you before we have our first service. If somebody walks away from you and because of their sin, you shut up the heavens so it won't rain. And somewhere when the land is dry and they realize they went the wrong way trying to live a life without you and things in their life become parched and Ground is cracked and food is scarce. Lord, when they come to that place of attention and realize they need you, when they turn and look at this place and decide to come home, will you open the heavens and pour rain on them again? God, I got another request. If because they walk away and want to do it their own way, they don't want to live the sacrificial life according to the law, and they turn other directions and they fall into captivity, and the enemy takes a hold on them. And they realize they can't get out of what they got into. Lord, I'm asking you that when they pray toward this place, no matter what nation they're in, how far they're away, but when they turn, would you hear them from heaven and set them free and bring them home? God, I, I've got something else. When pestilence or sickness comes over them because of they've lived a life absent from you and they decide to do their own way, when pestilence comes, would you... Heal them when they, when they repent and they turn. And they say, I need to go home, God. Will you hear them from heaven and heal their disease? That was the prayer. And then they 
prayed a prayer. 100,000 sheep lay on the altar, sacrificed 22,000 oxen. And right before that, in his prayer, but Joey, the Lord's not done with what he's going to do in your life. I'm telling you, there's a river coming to you. And in your prayer, you let it flow. You're going to pray prayers you didn't know you were going to pray. I want you to lift your hands, but Joey, God's got a plan for your life. There's an old geyser in your family that's going to open up rivers of living water. You go ahead. You, 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 you stay the course, and God's going to fulfill his word and his will in your life. You are special under the Lord. And God's going to do a work in your life. You guard your spirit and your mind. Hallelujah. The Bible says the glory of the Lord filled the house that the ministers could not stand. And they started singing. The praise team started singing Psalms of David. Are you ready? His mercy endureth forever. Ten years away from God, but His mercy endureth forever. The praise team is singing. His mercy endureth forever. And all of a sudden, God stops the church service. And this is what he says. Solomon, here's what I say to you. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and I'm going to heal their land. God said, I'm going to back up your prayer. This is going to be a place. This temple is going to be a place where people can come home and have new beginnings. People can come home and be free from captivity. People can come home and be free from blindness, from sickness. Come on, aren't you glad he made a way for you to come home? Are you ready? I end. Jesus steps into the New Testament right before they crucified him, after the Trump triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where they laid palm branches and said, This is the blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. When he enters, he gets off the colt and steps into the temple and he says, Stop what you're doing. You don't understand what this building is for. It's not about religious routine. It's not about half-hearted sacrifices. It's not about just going to church because you're supposed to go to church because you were raised to go to church. Stop! He says it's supposed to be a house of prayer. This is a place where we touch heaven. This is a place where we reach God. This is a place where we bring impossibilities and our own sins and failures and shortcomings and human natures and personalities and attitudes to say, God, I need to. I did wrong and it's affected my family. But I'm asking you to forgive me. I need some things turned. And he said, I'm going to do it. All of a sudden, here they come. Are you ready? When the church is what it's supposed to become, they will come. And here came the blind and the lame in the temple to him and he healed them. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I wonder who's in this building. If you'll humble yourself and say, I need God to touch my situation. There's an altar here. There's not just seats, but there's an altar. Spread this entire area. 
for an altar. The word we can say. Here is from heaven. Here is from heaven. Here is from heaven. Open the blinders. Unlock the deaf ear. Come to your people. As we draw near. You've got it in your hand. I wonder if somebody would come with a hand out and say, God, I need. On this 81 years of prayers are for this moment. Sister May fasted and prayed for this moment. Larry and Pat Evans, Carol Weigel prayed for this moment. Brother Roberts, Sister Hutton, we can name hundreds for this moment in your life. They've been an altar. Come on. I'm telling you, God's about to turn it. God's about to flip this thing in your life that's been so hard to get through. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on. For the hurting, come. For the saint that wants to see your family turn, come. For the marriage to be healed, come. He said, come unto me. That are laboring but not succeeding that are burdened but not getting anywhere he said I'm going to give you rest come on today's a day to come home today's a day to make it right with God his house of prayer is a place you can come home to in his presence come on God's healing right now in this room Lord I'm turning my life around from from Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.